Hello, welcome to the Emerald Skies podcast. I'm Jess Seely, and we're here to talk all things holistic health, well-being, and spirituality. On my healing journey, I've discovered incredible modalities and practices that have enhanced my life in ways that I really can't put into words. The thing is, they're outside of the mainstream, and that causes apprehension when I share them with others. So this show exists to break down those barriers, because I want you to experience more magic in your life. I have incredible guests who are here to share with us the wisdom from their niche field and help you feel emboldened to try new things on your own path. Take what works, leave what doesn't, keep an open mind, and I hope you find something new calling for you. Hello everyone, welcome back. Thanks for being here again. This is exciting, episode eight of the podcast. I'm not going to keep you long because... There's so much amazing information. This conversation's so juicy, but I just wanted to jump in and do a really proper introduction for today's guest, Michael McPherson. Michael is a pioneer in the realm of sex energy and sacred sexuality. He empowers men and women from all over the world to heal their relationship with sex, reclaim their sexual power, and channel their sex energy towards actualizing their dreams and fulfilling their unique purpose. Michael is also the author of a brand new book, Everything That You Never Learned About Sex, Take Back Your Masculine Power and Use Your Sex Energy for Good. He is a co-founder of Request Bar, a high-vibe protein bar company on a mission to get people dreaming bigger and taking courageous leaps in making those dreams come to life. And he is the co-founder of Cacao Ceremonial Drinking Chocolate. That is K-A-K-A-O, Cacao with a K. Uh, And if you want to learn more about that, you can jump two episodes back where I interview Ellie Cylon, who is the guardian for cacao in Europe. So cacao is a non-profit devoted to saving native strains of cacao and making ceremonial grade cacao available to the Western world. And finally, I just wanted to let you Aussies know that when you go to look up Michael on his website, so we pronounce it Michael McPherson, uh, but if you're an Aussie, it would be McPherson. So when you go to look up michaelmcpherson.co, spell it like McPherson and you'll have no worries. All right, let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of the Emerald Skies podcast. Today, I am so over the moon and excited to bring you the one and only Michael McPherson all the way from Hawaii. Uh Hello, Michael. Welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm just like so excited to be here with you and the number eight. Whoa, we're taking this conversation into infinity. I love that. Yes, we are. Just to touch on, I mean, there's so many topics that I could and do speak with Michael about. He is just an infinite well of wisdom and support and compassion. Um, But today, we really wanted to focus in to the divine masculine and sacred sexuality as the two topics to unpack for you. And so that Michael can really share from his perspective and from his work, um, I guess like a taste of these topics and help people really open their awareness and like start tapping into what these topics are all about. So let's begin. All right. Well, you're very kind and you're very generous. I'll just say that first and yeah, I'll do my best. 
Yay. So before we start talking the divine masculine, I would love you to introduce yourself a little bit more, Michael. Whereabouts in Hawaii do you live and what's a typical week look like for you? Yeah. Well, Mackenzie and I, we live in Kauai. Um, we're technically in Anaholo, which is the east side of the island. It's very beautiful here, drier than most other parts of the island, which is really nice. So we get a lot of sunshine and it's just, yeah, I mean, Kauai is definitely one of the most beautiful islands I've ever been to. I thought we maxed out when we were on Maui because we just moved, but then we landed in Kauai and I'm like, how does it keep getting more and more beautiful? It just doesn't seem, doesn't seem possible. Uh, a normal day for me, well, I'm bringing more structure to my life. That's part of what I'm working on right now. Ooh. So a normal day for me looks like I wake up, I brush my teeth, get ready. Good. Then, love it. My mom would love that. Yeah. So <laughs> check, check for hygiene. Yes. I take care of my personal hygiene. And then I almost, I'm typically almost always go right into my cacao ceremony. So most people who are listening to this probably already know what cacao is, but sacred ceremonial heart medicine drop right in and that's where I come into my alignment with myself, with my inner being, with my higher self. And from that place, that's where I like to create from because that's how I know when I'm in the energy of my higher self, I know whatever comes out of me, whether it's through writing, whether it's through my voice is going to be magic. So I'll typically spend some time writing. I did write a book already and I'm already working on my second book. Amazing. So yeah, I'm a considerable way through my second book. So I'll spend some time writing each morning because that's when things are really fresh for me. Yeah. And then I'll typically break it up with a workout. Sometimes we'll do like a fun afternoon activity, go to the beach, go on a hike, go see a place in the island that we haven't been to yet. Yeah. And then uh, in the evening, we'll typically come back and, you know, sometimes we'll have a lovemaking ceremony. Sometimes we'll just get cleaned up and go back into uh, creative space. So. Mm. Lots of creativity, which I think yeah. uh, by the end of this episode, a lot of people will have had their eyes opened to the power of our creativity in a whole new way. Yeah, well, I hope so. I would love to start uh, by talking about masculine energy, Michael. And I know for me, when I learned probably a few years ago about divine masculine and divine feminine energy and the fact that I actually had both energies within me as a person. Um, I just had never heard that concept as, you know, not something that you learn in school. So I would really love for you to share what it means in terms of masculine energy and the divine masculine as opposed to the toxic max masculine. And I was having a think about this particularly, I think, with the movements that have been arising in society over the past maybe two or three years, I feel like there's been an acceleration with people hearing, say, toxic masculinity in the Me Too movement. And um, before that, people might not have heard of that concept. So I would love for you to shed light on what this all means if people are sitting in the dark. And like me a few years ago, I had no idea what it was. Sure. Well, just as we have male and female, uh, you know, I'm a male, you're a female. We also have masculine and feminine and masculine and feminine are energies that we all have within us. And we are born with a certain, let's say, percentage of each. It's not meant to be 50-50. I think sometimes people put a lot of pressure on themselves to have it be in, in perfect balance, but that's not actually what balance looks like for everyone. So as a man, I naturally have more access to masculine energy than 
maybe the average woman or maybe even another man. But where feminine energy is, uh, let's say the depth, it's going um, not just into emotions, but being connected to everything and everyone all at once, heightened intuition, um, you know, being able to feel into whatever's happening behind the scenes. Uh, the masculine energy is more of a piercing. And, you know, when we talk about it in terms of sex, more of a penetrating energy mm -hmm. where feminine energy can be considered a circle or maybe like a swirling, flowing line. The masculine energy is really like A to B. It's, mm -hmm. it's direct and these energies just like us you know male and female we're meant to work together so we have them because they support each other you can't have one without the other and i think a lot of times especially in the movements that we see there's shaming that goes on on both sides you know the masculine men make the feminine women wrong and sometimes women shame the masculine and it's just like that doesn't get us anywhere they all serve their purpose and really the masculine's purpose is to love support and nourish the feminine and it, it's meant to be the structure inside of which the feminine flows so that's true for us you know creativity is naturally a feminine energy it's not something you really have control over it's not logical creativity is not a logical energy sometimes it just comes upon you right and sometimes it's like you have a hundred different thoughts at once they're going in all different directions and the masculine energy is what says okay i'm going to pull this together and i'm going to focus on these two things and i'm going to bring that through on a page of writing mm. and in relationships you know it looks like really this is where honoring the feminine comes in so honoring the wisdom that's in our counterpart honoring the wisdom like this just happened to McKinsey and I where I posted something uh, on Instagram. So it's sorry that it's about Instagram and social media. No, I think it's very relatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I shared something from a organization called PragerU and they're a conservative organization. And basically they're just trying to educate people on what they believe. Uh, and it definitely was coming from a strong like religious context mm -hmm. but it had a few points in there that i just wanted the people to hear and uh mckenzie brought it to my attention like that it it was lacking in heart and could potentially come off as insensitive mm -hmm. without any context around it mm -hmm. so that was me listening to her wisdom listening to and honoring the feminine where for me it was like Oh, what's the big deal? You know, people yeah. are fine. They'll be fine. You know, yeah. I know what my intention was, you know, yes. it's more yep. logical rather than intuitive. So she's intuiting how people might receive it. And I'm just like, yeah. my brain's like, yo, what's the problem here? But there's some good points in here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's just a small example of how this plays out Thank interpersonally you. in relation to dance. Yeah. And examples of, say, divine versus toxic, like if somebody's like, all right, how could I recognize this in myself or my partner, like, um, or society at large, are there any examples that we could touch on? Sure. I mean, I really don't like, I tr I've been, the farther I go on my spiritual journey, the more I try to get away from defining things. Yeah, things okay. Yep. Really, in a way, undefinable. So even like when we say things like toxic masculinity. Yeah. 
there there is definitely toxic energy and there's toxic energy in everyone you know there's toxic energy in me i definitely have access to the toxicity in me you have access (laughs) toxicity in you so uh and we also have access equal access to our divinity yeah sometimes when we externalize it it looks like you know like divine masculinity is the man in prayer pose in everything that he does Mm. and he's you know honoring the sacredness of all of life and everything is met with a blessing and you know before he does anything he's setting his intentions and i i don't mean to like make fun of it because it's absolutely true but it's more of like a come from it's more of a way of being than it is putting on a outfit that you wear divine masculinity isn't an outfit that you wear it's it's a connection to Mm. the inherent sacredness of life Mm. inherent innocence inside of you and inside of everyone else Mm. the connection to your heart masculine energy is strength of heart where feminine energy is the receptive heart allowing in the wisdom allowing in the intelligence allowing in the intuition Uh, masculine energy is really about what you do with that yeah what do you stand for and it doesn't have to be against anyone, which obviously yes. we're seeing a lot of that in the world today. Yeah. So I guess toxic masculinity could look like, well, let's just run with our online example. Uh, everyone who doesn't agree with me is wrong. Mm-hmm. My way or the highway. Mm-hmm. You don't share the same opinion as me. Therefore, you're lesser than me. Yeah. Great example. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of that going around, right? Yeah. So where divine masculinity is, everyone is entitled to their opinion. And everyone's come from, whether they're aware of it or not, is true for them and deserves to be heard. And the truth is relative. And we all actually are standing for the same things. We just don't really know it. (laughs) Deep down under our layers. Yeah, if we were to talk about it, we'd all come back to the same desire. What do we desire? Unity, love, yeah. interconnection. 100%. So holding that wisdom in your day-to-day interaction, holding that knowing, that divine knowing, your connection to spirit, which is also a masculine principle. How strongly are you connected to spirit at any given moment? Mm. You know, they say masculine energy is meant to be the eye of the storm. Well, sometimes not really, you know? Like that can be a limiting thing for men if they think that masculinity and divine masculinity is about being stoic or not being emotional. Yes. But really it's holding on to being connected to the bigger picture, which you can only be connected to the bigger picture if you're connected to God, source, or whatever you call that. Yeah. It reminds me of one time Mackenzie shared that you had anger and she was receiving that as he's not loving me. And her advice was, this is actually how he can love you right now because he's allowing his divine masculine to come through in his anger. Yeah, well, sometimes it does come off. It can be very direct, right? Mm. It can be very to the point. Uh, And again, I have times when I'm angry that are not divine. Yeah, (laughs) They're all divine, right? Because they're they're happening in a sacred relationship. So it's meant to teach us something. It's meant to teach me something. But yeah. yeah, it can be, it can seem insensitive. It can seem direct. It can seem like mm. you're not empathic or caring, mm. but it it's meant the real masculine 
is meant to shake things. Mm-hmm. It's meant to have such a truth to it that it, it like pierces the veil of any disillusion that you might have. Mm-hmm. And it, so again, that's not like an archetype to carry around. It's just like, what do you, if you're sourced from source, if you're connected to source, you're connected to God, then, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's going to be your come from. And that'll yeah. be the, con- the contribution you make to the people in your life. Yeah. And you've touched on this. I had written the question about rather than blaming, okay, all males are responsible for this kind of behavior. Like it's creating separation and division. What's your take on how as individuals in a collective, we can recognize where the imbalances have been and maybe educate or share this message um, like, do you have a view or a solution or anything to share on that sneaky division energy that comes through? And it's like, we just blame a whole 50% of the population when it's really actually not creating the unity that we're seeking. Sure. Well, I think it's both personal and collective, right? So mm-hmm. our first, let's call it responsibility is to basically be responsible for our own healing work. Mm-hmm. So we have to be responsible for our own conditioning that we receive from our environment, from our family, from our communities, basically our entire young life. And we have to be responsible for the programming that we received as well and how that's still playing out in our life. So I call this the come from. What are you, what's your come from in your interactions with others? Are you coming from your wound? Are you coming from your programming? Are you coming from your conditioning and how you were raised and what you were taught to believe? Or are you really coming from the source of yourself? And if you're coming from the source of yourself, you most often find that you don't actually have anything to prove. You're comfortable with people disagreeing with you because it's just, it's okay. You know, we're not all meant to see these things in the same way. When you're at the source of yourself, you just know that. It's like, no problem. Don't worry about it. You know, mm-hmm. water off a duck's back. Yeah. Agree to disagree and let's still be friends. Yes. You know? But when there's this energy of needing to prove yourself right, of needing to be right, of needing to make the other wrong, or instead of it being about the actual conversation, whatever topic we're talking about, it becomes like a slander against the other person. Yeah. That's definitely, that's toxicity. Yeah, doesn't matter. yeah. That doesn't, it doesn't matter who it's coming from, but if it's coming out of your mouth, it's a good time to check in and say, uh, okay, like what is playing out here for me? Cause there's, there's a come from that's not my authentic self. And so that takes practice, right? That it's that you, <laughs> I don't want to say this. It does. <laughs> like I was reflecting. The- yeah. <laughs> This is a lifelong journey. Yeah. You know, it, you ne- there's nowhere to get to. We're never going to get there to the point where we're all ascended masters and always <laughs> coming from our, you know, uh, most authentic self. So it's a life. It's a journey. And it, our, we'll be on this journey to the day we die. So the sooner you can accept that, the sooner I can accept that, the better. Yeah. And just have fun. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a, we're, we have tools to help us do that. Yeah, there are magnificent bodies of work out there that will contribute to us and allow us to connect with ourselves. The Gene Keys is a great example. The Gene Keys is a a beautiful body of work that will allow you to access parts of your life that maybe you 
have blocked out or don't remember, especially your young life and how those are playing out, in, how your experiences and how you were impacted are playing out in your relationships now. Mm. Human design is another great body of work. It'll teach you how to best utilize your energy so you're not taking things out on other people that aren't really about them. Yeah. Right? Plant medicines. They take you deep into your subconscious. Subconscious is where a lot of these things play out because we're, until we're aware of them, they're in our subconscious. Mm. Plant, plant medicines take us right into the subconscious. Mm. And so we get access almost immediately to these things that we don't have access to in our normal, call it our waking state. Mm. And those are just some examples. Thank you. That was also beautiful. And even just the way you articulated the come from, I've heard that term a number of times, but not heard someone unpack it. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. And in regards to the lifelong work of not needing to be right, I was thinking about this this morning and it's so funny because I feel I'm coming from a place now where some areas of my life I can sit and I don't need agreements, but it's the little things that I'm like, we should have parked there. And they're like, no, we shouldn't have. And I'm like, no, well, we should have because of this reason. And it's really funny how you can work on one aspect of your life, but then these menial little conversations come forward and you're like, no, I'm right. <laughs> yeah, and it makes you sick, right? That's how you know it's toxic. Yeah. It doesn't make, it doesn't make you feel good. I'm like, stop talking. <laughs> right. How do I turn I'm going to win this time. <laughs> How does living through your divine masculine enhance your experience of peace and enhance your relationships with your close ones? What's been your experience as it's unfolded for you in your union? Well, I guess it's allowed me to have more compassion. Well, it's definitely allowed me to get down to the source of myself. So I spent a long time in my life hiding from people, hiding the real me at least. So I, you know, put on face and smiled and laughed and I was cute and funny and, you know, charismatic. Tick, tick, tick. Had all the (laughs) things, right? But uh, I wasn't being authentic with people. So I was really hiding out. So yeah, getting down to the source of myself, what you might call my divine masculinity, has allowed me to just be more authentic in my relationships. And in being more authentic in your relationships and my relationships, people inherently trusted me more. So they would share themselves, you know, a lot of times vulnerably. I've had times in my life where people I don't even know, strangers will just walk up to me. I used to work in a health food store and back when I was in college and people would literally walk up to me under the guise of like looking for a supplement in the supplement section and they would just start telling me their life story. Oh my gosh. Or they would start telling me something that they're dealing with right then and there. That's like something they're struggling with. So that's the kind of space I guess I've become for people. It's, it's more of a space of listening, Mm. you know, communication in a form of listening to really get people and have compassion for their experience and understand how they think and believe and feel the way that they do and not have to change them or do anything with it. And honestly, anything I add to it is usually taking them away from whatever process they're in, right? Mm. So I might make a contribution, but to to be able to just be a space, which is also a a masculine principle to hold space, to be a space in which things unfold, Mm. 
uh, has been really intimate. You know, it's left me with a sense of connection and intimacy yeah. with people that I didn't have before when I was scared shitless of showing people who I really was. Thank you for sharing that. Totally. How wonderful. You really do hold the most divine space of being gifted with that many times through ceremony. And yeah, you just feel so safe and sturdy and you're so vulnerable and it allows everyone else to be so vulnerable. It's really just a remarkable gift. So thank you. And I would love for you to share. So for, I think a lot of the listeners are female. Um, if they have beloveds, husbands, men who are important in their life, how can we um, invite them in to start looking at um, this topic and maybe like having that awareness in their own life and viewing things as, okay, where am I maybe not allowing my um, full expression to come through? Again, it's a lifelong journey, so I don't, there's not a single answer to that question. But, yeah. uh, you know, something I experienced the other day, Mackenzie and I were going through something, and I just uh, I just started crying. And I was like, I, I was like, I want someone to hold space for me. And I think that's kind of where we're at at a collective level. Like men in general know that there is something different out there and they can probably even acknowledge that they want that for themselves, whether they're saying that to their partner or not. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't truly feel like there's a heart centered man anywhere in the world that doesn't want to grow, that doesn't want to evolve, that doesn't mm-hmm. want to become a better version of themselves. So maybe the first thing to get is that, they want to go, you know, you won't have to necessarily drag them unwillingly. It's just men are tricky. You know, they don't like to be told that they need to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause then they're just going to resist and fight yeah. you on it for no other reason than you're trying to get them to go somewhere that, yeah. you know, they might want to go, but you're just trying to get them to go somewhere. It has to be on their timing. So, how can we hold space and mm. invite and even inspire without turning and necessarily making anyone wrong for where they're at right now? Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because when you're yeah, like, totally. Look. So creating the openings and letting them uh, come to the party when they're ready. Yeah. You know, I, I think honestly, the more attention we can take off it, this is going to yeah. sound contradicting. But the more energy we can take off it, focus, take off it, like for the women in relationships, just to like focus on whatever brings them delight. Yeah. The man's going to see that and be like, yo, what do you got going on over there? Like, I want some of that. You're so happy. You're so joyful. Like, what are you, what are you doing that I'm not doing? Yeah. As opposed to I'm doing this. Why aren't you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just different energies. Yeah. So one is very inviting. The other one has a little element of shame in it uh-huh. or wrong or whatever you want to call that. I understand. Thank you. That's very useful for not just myself. I'm sure everyone listening. <laughs> and oh, you've got to laugh, right? You have to laugh. Have to mostly at yourself. Yes. <laughs> 
So, Michael, you have the most exciting book launching on November the 1st, which is called Everything That You Never Learned About Sex. And having heard you in your genius speak about this, teach about this, um, share your process over the last year, two years, you know, throughout not just the writing period, but throughout your journey. So many times I have had my breath taken away. Like, how is he being this vulnerable? So I cannot wait to read it. And I'm really excited to give the listeners a taste of your genius here today. Mm. I know how committed you are to following your guidance. And, you know, I am really curious when you got the tap on your sh- on the shoulder that this is the path you were going down, given it's been so taboo and it's such a big and powerful space. I'm curious to know what your reaction was like, because I've seen you be so vulnerable and it's so inspiring, but that cannot be comfortable. So I would love for you to share where the seeds of this line of work came from um, and how it felt when you knew that you had to pursue this path. Mm. Well, when I got the tap, I was really like, oh man. (laughs) Like, really? no, it no, was not, not today. Yeah, it was not an empowering experience initially. It was like, oh. really? Oh, anything else. I just I would do anything else other than sex, right? Like, yeah. don't be that guy. Don't make me be that guy. Oh my gosh, it's so uh, you're so yes. oh my gosh, beautiful and the way that you articulate everything that you have to teach is remarkable. But I just think, wow, you are brave because what strength this takes. Hmm. Well, honestly, it that's how it felt at first. So we get tapped to, and we all teach the things that we need to learn. And so I really needed an education in the realm of sex, sexuality, sacred sexuality, and also sex energy. So to start the process of writing the book was one, Uh, an acknowledgement of the journey I had already been on and two, an acknowledgement of where I needed to go if I was really going to be an embodiment of this work. But I was actually in Australia, believe it or not, initially when I was tapped to write the book. So Mac and I had started uh, the Humanity Podcast and we were just doing odds and ends episodes here and there. And then episode three that we did was about sex. Mm-hmm. It's called Sex, Michael Tells All. And that's I still I remember like where I was driving. You know, when there's these moments that hit you and you're like, whoa, I remember where I was driving listening to that. You just, yeah. it's probably the, one of the most vulnerable things I've ever, ever heard. And I have so much respect mm. for that. <laughs> yeah. So that was at the time, especially really vulnerable. Cause I, as you know, since you've listened to it, I just basically said it all. And there were things that I remembered that I didn't say in that podcast after mm-hmm. the fact as mm-hmm. well. Uh, and that was profoundly healing for me just to be able to simply tell it how it actually was for me. I had never told it that way before. I had never just actually acknowledged what my actual experience was around sex because I always had to carry a facade. I didn't have to. I always chose to carry a facade like Conan the Conqueror. I know everything there is to know about sex. Look at me. I can, you know, I'm a sexual dynamo. I don't have anything to learn here. (laughs) So 
yeah, after that episode, you know, that was a really like risky thing to do to make it public, mm. especially because I didn't know who was going to listen to it, what they were mm. going to say. You know, I've got my family that's listening to those podcasts and they have their <laughs> own stuff that comes up for them. So now I have to hold space for them while I'm in the yeah. middle of mine. And it's just, it can get messy. But I'm grateful that I did that because after the fact, uh, even like, honestly, like a year later, I still had people reaching out to me and saying and letting me know what a difference that made for them yeah and that's when it really landed yeah that's when I was like you know instead of waiting around for someone else to write something to teach me something that I need to know why don't Mm. I just be that person Mm. why don't I just since no one else I know at that time is Mm. talking about this is having Mm. this particular conversation why don't I just start talking and see what happens? And my intention really was like, even with the book, my intention is not to introduce a new form of dogma to people. It's just to open up a space that previously, or maybe even now is not open. Mm-hmm. And for me at that time, the conversations around sex and everything that that entails, whether it's shame, past trauma, um, you know, the programming that men receive around sex, Mm -hmm. there was not, there was no opening to just talk about it and for people to, people to get it and to understand it and have compassion Mm. for it and be Mm. like, oh my God, like no wonder the world and the men of the world are the way that they are, at least in this particular area. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just, yeah, initially it felt so vulnerable. And then just to put it out there after the fact I've I've done many podcasts now on said some what you would think are really vulnerable things but Mm -hmm. honestly it's become so much less vulnerable yeah and and more empowering so now it's more like how how can i empower other people to come forward with their own vulnerabilities and experience the level of freedom that i'm experiencing yeah since having done that amazing it is yeah, there's a sense of freedom that comes when you lean in and allow yourself to go there. So I would love for you to, well, one of the biggest things that I've learned from you is the fact that there's a difference between sex and sex energy. And I'm not sure if this should be the first question or if, if you know, you feel like there's a gap to fill before I ask this, but can you explain how um, the difference between sex and sex energy and what we're missing out on when we're not tapping into our sexual energy and the fact that we're just like not even taught that we have this gift. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is probably the best place to start, honestly, yeah, okay. because it's, uh, I'll bring it home in a second, but it's really the foundation of all the distortion around sex that we see in our world. Mm you know, personal distortion and people's overuse and hypersexualization of other people, objectification of other people, uh, use of pornography, and and also on a collective level where culture is becoming hypersexualized, where objectification, things like rape culture are the norm. So this is really the foundation for all of that. And it's just as you said, most people don't even know that there's a difference between sex and sex energy. They think they're the same things and it's not their fault that they think that they just never been taught any different. You know, it's not like something you learn in sex ed. 
when I was in sex ed, I saw pictures of vaginal diseases and it made me want to throw up and never have <laughs> like, sex. Not going oh, there. Horrible. <laughs> yeah. Why do they do why do they do that to kids, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's definitely not the the best approach for my personal opinion. Yeah. But sex energy is something that we're born with. It's a primordial energy. It's a generative energy. Uh, it exists in our bodies. So it's something that's inherently inside of us. And I like to think of it in terms of the chakra system because that's a very relatable system that most people can already connect with. But in terms of our chakra system, it, it exists at the base of our spine, or what you would call our root chakra. And when we chant it or charm it like a snake out of a basket, it rises and circulates. And it's meant to. It's meant to circulate in abundance in all areas of our lives. I tell people that, you know, when you hear, a, a newborn baby cry for the first time, you are hearing the purest form of sex energy. Straight from source. I mean, how could it get any more pure than that? Mm. And that might seem weird for people to call that sex energy, right? But I also let people know that there's nothing inherently sexual about this energy other than the fact that it comes from the region of our body that hosts our sex organs sex energy sex mm -hmm. organs sorry that's just the name it was given mm -hmm. so not to have people get stuck on that or get uncomfortable with that mm. so we have a relationship to our sex energy as even young people we just don't know it right and then what happens is especially for men is as we age and go through puberty our sexual organs mature certain hormones start to circulate in our bodies and then we change we go through our changes that everyone goes through once they hit puberty but typically around that time is when sexuality gets introduced into our lives so for me the first time i ever masturbated i was in my parents bathroom uh, just going to the bathroom nothing funny going on here and all of a sudden it just like there was this inspiration to touch myself to massage myself in a way that I never had before. Mm. And I had never seen anybody do that before. Mm. So I had no clue what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> but I somehow just knew that yeah. I was meant to be doing it. So I started and, and it started to feel good. And then it started to feel better. And I was like, I didn't even know that I could feel this good. What mm -hmm. What's happening to me right now? And then, you know, I ejaculated and saw my ejaculate for the first time and i was just like oh my god what even is that this is like <laughs> I, I was just like what? yeah is this some kind of like magic did i yeah. did i literally just discover some kind of magic that yeah. no one told me about no one alluded to does somebody else know about this did my friends know about this did my parents know about this who knows yeah. about this and why I tell that story is because that was the first time I ever, and I didn't know it at the time, but that was the first time I ever purely and innocently interacted with my sex energy. Having had no prior experience to sexual exposure, sexual activity, sexual imagery, hadn't seen anything. Mm -hmm. There was no projection mm -hmm. onto my experience from my mind. Yes. So while I was masturbating, I wasn't thinking about sex. Yeah. I wasn't imagining having sex. Yeah. I was literally just feeling the energy inside of me. 
I was feeling the amplification of the energy, the swelling of the energy, the sensual nature, the pleasure of it. Mm-hmm. I was just so intimately connected to it in such a pure way. And that's why it was so profound for me. But what happened right after that was the fear. <laughs> I grew up in, and you know, not to blame my family or my parents, no, but yeah. I, I grew up in a, a pretty, uh, say, sexually and emotionally repressed household, traditional yeah. ca- Catholic household. So it wasn't something not uncommon. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty normal, right? It yeah. just, and, you know, for that time as well, early 90s or mid 90s, late yeah. 90s even, it was just like, that's how families were, especially mm-hmm. in the Midwest. I grew up in Midwest America. It's like families were just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I didn't have a, an open relationship necessarily with my parents to be able to talk openly about anything, I was scared to bring this forward. So instead of just saying, hey, I had this experience and it was super magical. And do you guys know anything about that? Which I'm probably grateful at this point that I didn't do that. <laughs> I, uh, That's the thing. No, well, it's very uncommon that children, I think, feel safe to have that conversation. And then right. that's the next part of your genius is like, well, where do we go from there? Yeah. So I didn't feel safe and uh, I didn't feel confident. You know, I didn't feel like I really knew anything about what I experienced. So I resorted to porn mm-hmm. initially to teach me about sex. Mm-hmm. because porn if you look at it objectively is a safe environment you can access it by yourself you know you don't have to do it with other people around and uh, you don't have to risk anything you know when you're sexual or when you go into sexual activity with another person there's inherent vulnerability and risk there right porn mm-hmm. you don't have any of that so mm-hmm. i resorted to porn because initially it felt like a safe space for me to learn about sex yeah And then that's where all the bullshit came. And so, uh, you know, porn is a representation of something. So I'm not trying to pin all of this on porn. I definitely don't agree with it. I definitely don't think we should have it in our world. I definitely think the sooner we shut down Pornhub, the better, and all the other pornographic websites as well. Uh, But for me, that was when these things got firmly collapsed. So again, just to really emphasize this, I had one experience, one pure experience with my sex energy. And from that moment on, for the next 20 years of my life, I didn't have a single other experience of my sex energy that didn't have something to do with sex or sexuality or sexual imagery or sexually explicit material. At that moment in time, because of the conditioning and program I received through porn, sex energy and sexuality became the same thing. So unknowingly, I took something that's meant to be expressed in abundance in all areas of my life and confined it to sex. Mm -hmm. That's like taking Niagara Falls (laughs) and trying to funnel it into a garden hose. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't work. Yes. And so the more and more I tried to interact with this energy through the realm of sex and for instance, through pornography, the more distorted my relationship to sex became. Because if you know anything about porn, you know it's a horrible teacher 
in terms of what sex is and what sex isn't mm-hmm. you know it'll teach you how to uh, sexually abuse other people it'll teach you how to be aggressive and violent it'll teach you how to do uh, sexually objectify women dehumanize them you know it teaches you all kinds of things and i learned all of those things unfortunately and it took me 20 years really three solid years but 20 years if you look at it in the whole picture mm-hmm. to to come back to my innocence, that little boy sitting on the toilet masturbating for the first time mm. and reclaim an innocent relationship to my sex energy because sex is wonderful. I mean, there's, there's so many things we can do with sex. It's profoundly healing. Uh, it's a place for us to receive. We receive energy. We receive insight. We receive intuition, guidance. Uh, it's a place for us to expand our ability to receive. So sex being the perfect analogy for life, whatever you can receive in terms of pleasure in your sexual interactions, in your lovemaking, you also open yourself to receive in all of the areas, other areas in mm. your life. You know, we, sex isn't compartmentalized as much as we like to think it is. Mm. It's a celebration of our humanity. Mm. Uh, it's, it's so much, right? Mm. But if you really think about it, we're only having sex maybe 0.05% of our lives. Yeah. It's such a small part of our lives. But because of our conditioning, it occupies the majority of our lives, especially if you're a man and you grew Mm -hmm. up watching porn like I did. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden you're sex obsessed. So you're constantly distracted, primarily from your true source of power, which is Mm -hmm. your sex energy and channeling your sex energy conscious way. So that's what happened. Yeah. And so where I'm at now with the people that I talk to, and even for example, podcasts like this is to uncollapse those things, separate those things. Because if you try to force sex energy through the funnel called sex, it's going to lead to tremendous distortion. That's what has led to sex trafficking, it's what led, has led to uh, uh, the abuse of children. It, it's, it's led to the, some of the most horrendous acts of humanity. And, you know, m- men wonder why they feel so sexually frustrated, uh, why they feel so angry. And women, of course, are the easy target of that. But it's, it's not that women have done anything to us. It's that we have got these two things collapse and we're really pissed about it, Mm. but we're pissed at the wrong people. Mm -hmm. We need to be pissed that we even accepted this programming in the first place that we even took it on. And that's part of the healing process too, is just getting really fucking angry about it Yeah, for having been taken advantage of, especially at such an innocent stage Mm. in our lives. Mm. But sexual liberation people think that sexual liberation is like a free love society polyamory you know you can have sex with anyone you want whenever you want uh, open relating and certainly i'm not trying to demean those things that's that's appropriate for some people for some people those things are really aligned but that's not actually what sexual liberation is sexual liberation isn't posting naked photos of yourself online that's called self-objectification You've taken the programming that you've received and you've externalized it. And because the rest of the world received it, you get validated for it. Mm-hmm. 
but it's not liberation. And again, there are nuances. Some people do it, and for them, it is an expression of liberation. But for the most part, on a collective level, it's really not. So liberation is liberating our sex energy from the confines of sex. Mm. It's taking it out of the sex box and giving it freedom to express itself in all other areas of our lives as it was meant to mm. from our birth. Mm. That, is our, that is our birthright, and we're taking it back. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. So yeah, that was a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. So much wisdom. <laughs> so, and I mean, I'm still learning every time I listen to you. So for me to ask questions, I'm like, oh, where do I go? But like, what areas of my life am I, should I be using this energy that I've forgotten or not known? Like how, now that I know that, how can I then go and take that liberation and use it to act like i mean you've written books right and for you that's creative energy going into your writing so like what areas of my life am i potentially blind to the fact that i could be using my creative sexual energy and i've just never thought of it every area i mean that's that's the thing so every uh, you know people are pretty familiar with the conversation around sex energy and creativity yeah right so we can definitely harness our sex energy because it is a creative energy it's the energy that creates worlds it's the energy that creates new human life so it's, mm. it's inherently creative right but when we aren't creating new life in terms of a physical baby we're always creating something so what are we mm -hmm. creating right mm. um, so we can channel it into business endeavors creative endeavors passion projects um, we can channel it into philanthropy we can channel it into pretty much anything. I channel it into my books. I told you I get into the place that I get into and then I write. That's an expression of my sex energy. So whoever reads my book, Everything You Never Learned About Sex is going to get a direct transmission of my sex energy. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I have it on pre-order. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that at the end. Everyone can pre-order this book. Um, yes. I, so I would love for you to share um, the act of lovemaking or the act of sex and mm -hmm. rather than it being an end goal making it a form of ceremony and a form of art like can you speak to that for people who have only ever thought right this is an act and there's you know this happens and this happens and then we're done you know yeah how can yeah, we so make it yeah lovemaking is so much more than stimulation and release so there are worlds within worlds within worlds. Uh, and sex, again, is the perfect analogy for life. So how we do sex is how we do anything. How we do lovemaking is how we do anything. Um, but the first step in having a sacred experience with uh, your lover in lovemaking is to set sacred space. So again, we're going to set all the healing that needs to happen aside, mm -hmm. all the conditioning, and we're just going to go straight to sacred sexuality, which... The first step is setting sacred space. So that for you might look like cleansing the space. Maybe you burn some sage, maybe you burn some Palo Santo, you clear the energy. Maybe it looks like actually just cleaning up, you know? It's like if the room you're gonna make love in is filthy, what does that say about not only your sex life, but your life in general? Mm -hmm. You know, how much intention are you bringing to the creation of love in your life? Oh, I love this, yeah. 
So we set sacred space, clean it up. You can put on essential oils. You can play music. Um, uh, there's lots of things that you can do to set. So maybe you set some crystals out and then. Whatever feels special to you. Exactly. Whatever feels, mm. whatever has you feel safe. Because mm. really you're setting in a container, setting sacred space is you're, you're creating a container for an experience to happen. Mm -hmm. So in terms of love making, it's like setting sacred space is really seducing the divine. Mm. you're inviting the divine into your experience mm. so you're that's the intention really of setting sacred space is like you're welcoming in higher forces and you're also introducing that into the space itself then uh step two is share your intention so again it's a creative process so what are you creating What's your intention? What are we devoting this ceremony to? Are we devoting it to our union and for us to be in full receptivity of each other and our wholeness? Or are we devoting it to something else? You know, they call it sex magic because you really can harness the power of magic. You know, when you have two people come together and share their sex energy, it's, it is incredibly magnetic. Well, what are we magnetizing? Universal forces. We're harnessing the power of manifestation. So that's another part of intention. You can actually intend to manifest something very specific. When Mackenzie and I were in Australia, before we came to Hawaii, we didn't actually have a home to move into. So something we did is we set the intention to manifest our dream home, the perfect home, the match for us. And you've had two beautiful homes. <laughs> now three. Yeah. yeah, we've had three now. This is the first one. So we set the intention. We made love. I kid you not, like five minutes after Mackenzie gets like inspired to get on Craigslist, literally I had been looking for months. Wow. I've been looking for months for a home and she <laughs> found it within five minutes of us. Oh my God. Completed our lovemaking ceremony. So that's why it's magical. One of the yeah. reasons why it's magical or can be magical. So you set your intention. Intention can be, it can be small or they can be really big. They don't even have to be necessarily about the two of you. You can set an intention for people to receive more peace in their lives, for people to feel accepted and heard. So, you know, being tuned into what's going on on a planetary scale, you can actually bring that into your lovemaking ceremony and, and have it be something that you offer back to the collective as a contribution to the collective. Mm. So intention. And then, yeah, this, there is no rush. So lovemaking is less of an agenda, less of a how-to, less of a 12-step program, and more of a letting go. You're allowing spirit to move you. And so sometimes that means you're doing things that don't necessarily seem sexual. <laughs> like you're like gripping someone's like, part of their leg and you know it's like you're but that's where the energy is and that's moving energy for them and so it's like it's really a letting go to allowing yourself to be moved by something other than you because really we're all being operated by something other than you other than us mm. whether we want to believe that or not and in love making it's no different mm. and then staying like so connected and present to your lover 
you know, like actually creating eye contact. There's so many people rush through lovemaking. Again, we talked about the end goal. It's like mm. the rush to ejaculation, you know? So it's like pressure, 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 gone, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's over. And yeah, that was cool, fun, but you can have that experience with anyone. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can have that experience with yourself, with a synthetic reality online if you want to. So the goal is to just like, you're in ceremony. So if you've ever sat with medicine, for instance, you know, it's not like 10 minutes and then you're done, right? Mm. Going deep and then you come out a little bit and then you go deep again and then you purge and then Mm. you feel so much better. And then the angels are there and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. And something (laughs) else comes in. You're like, oh, (laughs) you know, this sucks again. So lovemaking is no different. And it's a profoundly healing space when you allow it to be because it will bring you up against all of your barriers to receiving love. So if you have a container and a safe space to do that, that's where you can really go deep. You can really like, where's my barrier? Like when the pleasure gets too good or, you know, when, when, how much can I allow myself to receive? Where do I shut it down? Yeah. And not what area of my body do I not allow that energy into? Mm. Where do I try to control it? Mm Mm-hmm so much i mean it's just incredibly insightful when you take it on as a ceremony because you can learn so much about yourself right yeah absolutely so much for me i just think wow okay where am i not even being present through this experience and like when i bring presence in wow like what is there what isn't there what's happening that i just have bypassed for so so many years totally there's so much Mm -hmm. and then Last thing I want to say is when it does complete, you know, when the energy is at its peak and you know it's about to complete, that's really the time that you want to introduce something extraordinary. That's, that's really the time you want to revisit your intention because that's when the energy is most expanded mm. between the two of you. That's when the potential of that energy is at its most heightened state. Mm. But after that, you know, after orgasm and after the release and after the tension subsides and when you're both coming down together, it's so important to stay together. So this can look like cuddling. This can just look like laying together and maybe just resting. Maybe I'm just like resting inside of McKinsey and we're just laying there together because this is really when the energetic bodies. So there's so much energy and love making. This is where you can really build and nourish your energetic body. They call it the Ka body. And it's like, yeah, I won't say too much about that, but you can intentionally strengthen this energy. So for instance, Jesus, how did Jesus perform all the miracles that he performed? Well, he had help. He had Mary Magdalene that was helping him strengthen his Ka body, which gave him the, the ability to perform miracles. Mm. So that's like the potential of this energy. Just like we have physical health, just like we have emotional health, we also have spiritual and energetic health. And so we need yeah. to nourish our energetic bodies because they can get depleted. Yeah. And so when we stay together after lovemaking, and this is really a power that women give to, to men. It comes mm-hmm. from the depth of the feminine. It comes from the void. I mean, the womb is literally the void of creation. Mm-hmm. So that's really where this energy comes from. It's it's a gift from the feminine. It's the bounty of the feminine. Of course, that's not why we make love, but it's just one of the blessings of it, right? Yeah. So 
for both of us just to stay there for a period of time and receive that. So it's not like as soon as you ejaculate, you're done and then you go back to work and oh, how was your day today? Or what are you going to do next? <laughs> you know, it's like bask in it. Just stay yeah. longer, you know, see how long you can stay there and, re and receive and what kind of difference it makes for you and your vitality. I'd never heard you speak on that last part before. And wow, that's very fascinating. I mean, it's, I think your natural desire to want to relax and spend time with that person, but I've not heard the, um, what, what body is it? The car? K-A, yeah, car body. Car body. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so one question I have is around shame and because i feel like when i was thinking about how we are the repressed or we think we're really liberated in this area maybe when we're younger because we are maybe not taught taught about sex right so people might grow up in a really religious household and you don't talk about it and maybe don't do it it's bad and other people are super liberal but it's perhaps not from an empowered place it's like now nah, I'm just going to do this to get my expression out there and I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, as we grow older and perhaps become more conscious, we might realise at some point that was coming from a place of wounding and then there's shame that comes with that. So I know I'm not alone because I've had requests to ask you about this, but what's your advice for people in terms of working through emotions like shame so that we can really reclaim that mm -hmm. purity and reclaim our power in this space. Yeah. Well, first things first, you got to acknowledge it. You got to just come clean with it. You got to acknowledge what it is that you're shameful about or what it is that you feel shame around. Second piece I would say is really just understanding shame. So shame is something that we inherited. Shame is something that came along with our programming. So whether we inherited it because uh, we were born into a repressed household that said sex was bad or you were only supposed to have sex under certain circumstances and that's what made it acceptable and good. So if you did it under any other circumstances, you're a bad person, you're a sinner. Or whether we were exposed, like I was, to pornography and that distorted our relationship to sex and had us do things we probably wouldn't do otherwise, Right when you understand it and where it actually stems from, it invites in compassion. It invites in compassion. And that's really the key. So to acknowledge it, to express it, definitely. If, you know, and in the right context with someone that you trust, with people that you feel genuinely safe with, it's, I obviously took a risk and shared it on a public platform, but I really wouldn't advise that for everyone because it's such mm. a tender thing, mm. right? Such a tender thing. Mm. So to share it for sure can be tremendously healing. Um, but yeah, it's like, <sighs> I, it's everyone, everyone's situation is unique, right? Mm. Everyone feels shame about whatever they feel shame around. The idea is like part of feeling shameful is because we're meant to feel bad when we do things that aren't in alignment with our soul. Yeah. So naturally we don't feel right. We don't mm -hmm. feel good about it. 
but then we have to acknowledge for ourselves that we really didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. You know, we were really acting from an unconscious place. A lot of people hide their wounds in sex. For me, I became very promiscuous because sex was a measure of my masculinity, was one way in which I measured my masculinity. So we all have all heard the more notches on your belt, the more of a man you are, and certainly the validation that I got from my friends around having slept with X number of women and oh my gosh, how do you do that? You know, whatever, 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 slaps on the back, pats on the shoulder, the validation there. But really it was like, I just wanted to know that I was a man. And I hadn't heard that from the person that I really desired to hear from, which was my father. And so I spent a long time running from that feeling and hiding it in my sexual interactions. Right? Mm. But we also have other wounds, you know, that wasn't the only wound I was hiding in sex. Again, it it matters what your come from is, right? Mm. Uh, I was also hiding my wound of not really knowing why why I was here. Mm -hmm. What am I here for? What's my purpose? What am I meant to be doing? Mm -hmm. And so when I would sink into the feeling of that wound, it was like almost a depression. I mean, it was just like, oh, it just felt so heavy. And just even at times, like, I don't even know why I'm here. Like, why don't I just off myself? No one's going to miss me, you know? So to avoid going into the wound, sex, and not even sex, but the thrill of the chase, you know, like even just objectifying women in the environment and be like, ooh, 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 is a constant distraction from the wound, right? But you can't heal the wound if you don't actually go into it. So the more I utilize sex to keep me from that feeling, sexual interactions and sexual objectification all the stuff that was running around in my head Mm. uh, the less whole I was Mm. the less healed I was the less authentic at the source of myself I was right and delaying yourself from getting back to that place just delaying it (laughs) stop putting it off Uh, sometimes I'm like I wish I could go back I can't go back obviously and I needed it to learn and be able to be like a spokesperson for this message right yeah damn I would do it differently you know Mm. yeah and one final question on this topic Michael I guess we spoke about it already in terms of inviting men to look at the divine masculine but if a woman is listening to you or reads your book and thinks wow, how do I invite my partner to discover this world with me and set intentions? Because if you want to set an intention and that's completely foreign to your partner, that that might make them feel really uncomfortable, you know? So uh, any gentle ways to invite your beloved into, um, into this space with you? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be awkward. I'll tell you what worked for me. I didn't come up with this you know when I came into union with McKinsey she was really the one that introduced me invited me I should say into sacred sexuality into having a reverent relationship to her and I's engagement in that lovemaking space and so she invited me into that and I assumed it and took it on for myself and it became over time an extension of me it's become my own right Mm. um 
but it was really her. So yeah. I guess I just want to acknowledge that women really do have that power to inspire their man into something more. Yeah. And it's, it is going to feel a little bit awkward. You know? <laughs> yes. The point isn't to have it not feel awkward. The point yeah. is like, if it feels awkward, just acknowledge it feels awkward. Yeah. This is this something might... you taught me as well. How to have awkward conversations. You said to me, Jess, if you yeah. start by saying, I feel really awkward about this and this is my fear, it just diffuses it. So <laughs> thank you. Yeah. yeah. Give yourself permission to, to be free, right? Rather yeah. than to have a conversation on top of the awkwardness, which even yeah. makes it more awkward. And then everyone's like, I wish we weren't here. I wish we were somewhere else. But um, yeah, so just just start, whether it's intentions before lovemaking, whether it's, you know, vulnerability. Again, so there's different ways to approach this. You can be vulnerable and say like, hey, I'm really desiring to have a new relationship to our lovemaking. And I want to do that together. Mm. That is automatically, your man wants to please you. <laughs> he wants to satisfy you. You've got their so, attention. <laughs> yeah, if you express it as it exists for you vulnerably, yeah. you know, they're going to move towards you. If you say, Michael's doing this sacred sexuality thing and you're not, what the hell? Mm. Why aren't you doing this? They're going to be like, what did I do to you? Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I don't want to take myself out of the picture because I'm definitely a resource, but men also need to feel empowered to even approach the conversation, mm. right? To even be willing to approach the conversation is going to take someone that's willing to acknowledge that, hey, maybe there's something else for me to learn here or maybe, maybe there's something else that I want. So I guess to approach it from a space of desire, mm. I'm really desiring to feel closer to you. I'm really desiring to go deeper with you. I think there's something more for us here and I want to explore that with you. Those are really empowering things. Yes. You know, those will have people, especially men lean in. Yes. Thank you so much. That's, people are going to be rewinding and taking those down. <laughs> You're so eloquent with your words. Thank you. Yeah, it's such a gift, honestly. You're right. Who wouldn't lean into that? Mm. Hmm. Is there anything that you feel that we haven't touched on that we should? Oh, my gosh. If we really wanted to, we could be here for like four hours. I know, so right? But they've got to read your book. We could totally Joe Rogan this thing. Yeah. Um, but... Just to, uh, I guess, just soften the conversation, you know, to invite more ease and grace into it. How can we soften this conversation for ourselves, for each other? It comes with such weight attached to it inherently, right? And that is indicating or points to a depth that there is to go in terms of our emotional body and our healing. But we don't have to do it by force. It doesn't have to be grueling. You don't have to suffer, you know, more than the suffering that's already there. It's mm. like we can really be gracious with each other around this topic, around this conversation. Uh, we can really do it with ease. We can really soften our expressions and acknowledge when our expressions are actually coming from our own personal fears. You know what I mean? There's like just a, a really generous way for us to be with each other around, mm. something, around something that's already so inherently sensitive. Yeah. So I suppose just to, for all of us to take that on, you know, how can we be even more sensitive, more generous, more loving 
especially in this area and this topic. Mm, it's so true. Even yeah, like when you say that my body feels like, Oh, that's right. We can lighten up and just be more yeah, gentle about this. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So if I asked you to go back to when you were 18, well, maybe 17, because I don't know what year you finished high school. I like to ask people that age where they're kind of finishing in the education system and you, Michael McPherson, get to make the decision about where you're taking your life. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give that version of yourself, that Mm. teenage Michael? I would say, Michael, there is no rush to figure this out the world is your oyster just take some time and allow yourself to get present to what it is you really love what it is you really enjoy and you might not be able to answer that right now but just allow it to come to you you don't have to be anything you don't have to become anything you don't have to strive for anything There's no expectation of you other than for you to be happy and for you to do whatever it is your heart is guiding you to do. The biggest smile on my face, everyone. That's the best (laughs) advice. I'm going to play that back and like listen to it today for my own inspiration. Uh, And finally, and very importantly, Michael, please share with us the details of your book launch, your book tour, uh, where we can find you online if you're offering coaching because I think that I've learned so much. Listeners are going to learn a lot uh, from this conversation and I would love people to be really aware of how they can work with you and use you as a resource for themselves or for their loved ones. Yeah, so I wrote a book. It's called Everything You Never Learned About Sex. It's... Uh, officially published on October 30th. Mackenzie is actually November 1st. Oh, I said it wrong. Sorry. No, you said Mackenzie's right, which is perfect. Okay. Well, yeah, so right. Mackenzie is Michael, Michael's beloved, as you know by now. <laughs> yeah, we're so. publishing together, which is super special. They both wrote but, books. But um, people can go and they can pre-order that book, Amazon, Bards Noble, IndieBound, Um, But really, in terms of resources, you can find everything you need to know about me on my website, www.michaelmcpherson.co, not .com, .co, michaelmcpherson.co. And under uh, offerings there, I do offer a a one-on-one session with people. So if there's anyone that has listened to this and they feel inspired to go deeper with me in their own personal journey, their own healing journey, I will happily hold space for you. I will happily meet you there. I will happily provide whatever insight, guidance comes through my body for you in that sacred space that we'll create together. Uh, I have a book tour, and you can also find that on my website. We're doing four dates. They're all going to be virtual since of COVID and social distancing. You just don't want to leave Hawaii. He's just using COVID as his excuse, guys. (laughs) No, believe me, there's nobody that wants to be with people more than me. No, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm itching, chomping at the bits to get in person with people. But there's four dates, and uh, the dates are spread out. So are the times, so that people from all over the world, whether you're in Australia, whether you're in the UK, whether in the US, there are times that work for everybody. So just Mm. find whichever ones 
one's plural. You can come to more than one. Works for you. And uh, yeah, we're just going to create a space and I'm going to jam out about some things about the book and just drop a little wisdom, drop a little knowledge, kind of feel into the group and what mm. they're wanting and just give people a little insight into what they can stand to glean from this first book that I've written. Amazing. So it's available for pre-order in Australia as well. So not just the US. Yeah, right now Kindle edition is available in Australia, but it should be it should be any day now, honestly, that the paperback is ready. So Mackenzie's paperback is up on Amazon.com.au and I'm just Oh, is it? Okay. Cool. Yeah, I'm just waiting for mine to pop on there. It should be any day now. Yeah. Um, and his very handsome face graces the cover. Great cover art, Michael. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. It was very uh, interesting trying to pick the cover art or the picture yeah. that would work the best. You know, everyone's got a different perspective. What an it. experience. You're like, which yeah. photo of myself do I want to go around the world? <laughs> oh my gosh. And then when I initially saw it, I was like, whoa, okay. You know, you're it's like, beautiful. there you are. Yeah. Yay. But I really, I do love it. I do love it. It's definitely grown on me. Nice. So thank you. I'll list all of those resources, those links um, in the show notes. And I just invite people that, I mean, we, I feel like I've given people a taste into your work and your genius and obviously it can go, it does go so much deeper. So it's definitely um, pre-order your book, but grab a ticket to his book launch. um, If this has activated something for you, because like you said, we could go for hours and hours and um, we're not. <laughs> so dive in, guys. Yeah, let's play together. Yay. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. You're amazing. I love you. I am, um, yeah, I'm just honouring you for the work that you're doing and I'm really excited for everyone who listens and everyone who's going to receive your wisdom from uh, the book that's about to launch. So thank you, Michael. I so appreciate it. I thank you for the opportunity to be here and I had a blast creating this episode with you. So I hope everybody listens to it. Thanks for being with me today, guys. I'm so grateful and I hope that you learned something new. Please feel free to pass the episode on to family, friends, colleagues, anyone you think that would really enjoy and benefit from the information. And if you so feel called, I would love for you to subscribe and leave an honest and heartfelt review. As I've learned, it helps me reach more people and I'm really just all about reaching the right people. So have a wonderful day and can't wait to see you next time.